Good morning and welcome to Journey Church. My name is Scott. I'm the, I'm the lead pastor here at Journey Church, at least for like three more days. And it's kind of a joke because if you haven't been here, I'm going on sabbatical uh, on Wednesday. And just so, just so you know, in case you're visiting or maybe you're newer to the church, it's, there's nothing wrong. I, I'm not burning out. I'm not leaving the church. I'm just going to take a little bit of a break. I'm still going to be here on plenty of Sundays over the summer. But what I'm doing is really what, what the Lord gave us as a gift in this rhythm of, of seven days of, of a week, right, where one of those days is we pause and, and we rest and we stop and, and we worship and we delight in the Lord. And, and really what this sabbatical is, just an extended version of that. In fact, I was reminded as I was thinking about it this week, I remember, reminded of what Farmer Bill told me. Now, if you don't know Farmer Bill, I often, I often reference the fact that I worked for a wheat farmer when I was in high school. And then the typical joke is I have to enunciate wheat to make sure you understand I'm saying a wheat farmer. But Farmer Bill, one thing he taught me when we, I was working for him during the harvest, which the harvest season is this ultra long work days, right? 12 to 14 hours, six days a week. He said, you know, we used to try to, to do seven days a week. We used to try to work seven days a week. But what would happen is that the machines would, would just start to break down at a higher rate. Like hoses would snap that nor normally wouldn't snap. Like things would just break that wouldn't normally break when we tried to push it seven days a week. He said, I could, I could push these machines seven days a week, but it, it comes at a cost. And really, I think that's what the Lord is teaching us with, in some ways, with the Sabbath, when he's inviting us to stop and to rest and to delight and to worship. Like we could push through seven days a week, but we might just break down a little bit. And that's not the way the Lord has intended it for us. And so I'm excited to be able to lean into this opportunity. I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that, that we have such a wonderful leadership team here at Journey's Church and a great staff that will carry the load wonderfully while I'm just taking a, a short break. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing how the Lord works in me and, and in the church. And honestly, even, even the next few weeks, we're going to have some fantastic people that are going to come and, and share the Word of God with you. Even next Sunday, we're having Gabby Viesca is going to come. And, and I don't know if you remember, but if you were here like a year and a half ago when we were in our Esther series, she came and, and spoke. I would encourage you not to miss next Sunday, if, if at all possible. It'll be fantastic. So with all of that, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Amen. Amen. All right. Sounds good. All right, so this morning we're going to continue to look at John's gospel. And if you've been with us uh, over the last handful of weeks, you know that, that we're at the point in the John's gospel where Jesus is sharing some of his last words to his disciples. This is what's known as, as the farewell discourse, where Jesus is expressing his, at this point, his greatest concern about and for his disciples, and that is that they would be prepared for life without him that they would be prepared for life without him present with them. And it all starts in, in chapter 13 when Jesus says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me where I'm going. You cannot come. Now, as, as Pastor Olivia graphically explained last week, this troubled the disciples. Now, if you weren't here last week, let me encourage you. I always do this, but really, let me encourage you to just listen to that two-minute section where Olivia talks about her experience on a boat. It's fantastic. But, <laughs> but it gives us an idea of what it means to be troubled in heart. But let me maybe just look at it from a, a different perspective this morning. I, I wonder, if, for those of you that are parents, if you ever had this moment in a, in a grocery store or maybe at, at a park where you're distracted or you're looking at something or whatever and you turn around and, and your kid's not there. 
Or maybe as, as, for those of us that have, you know, have parents, that, that maybe there was a time when you were walking around in a grocery store or at the park and you, you were distracted and playing with something and, and you wandered off and you turned around and, and mom and dad's not there. Like that is, is when Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. That is what it feels like to have a, a troubled heart. It's disturbed and it's as, agitated and disoriented and shook up. And this is what the disciples were about to experience. In some ways, they were already experiencing as Jesus was telling them, I am going and you won't be able to come with me. But it really, at the heart of it, was like in another 24 hours, in the days after that, until Jesus' resurrection, their hearts would be troubled deeply. And I think it's easy for us to, um, to maybe overlook the gravity and the significance of what the disciples were experiencing in this moment and what they would experience in the days ahead as Jesus, was di- as Jesus died and was placed in a tomb. Not only what they would experience, but the way in which they would experience his death, that he would die by, by crucifixion. This was the, the same person who just moments earlier had called them children. And in, in the next couple of weeks, we'll see he'll call them friend. This is the person that they'll watch die. And if they didn't watch him die, they'll have fled out of fear for what might happen to themselves. But what's beautiful in this is that Jesus doesn't overlook this. Jesus doesn't overlook what they are going through. He doesn't overlook what they would go through because he knows exactly what they need. And that's where we pick up today in in John chapter 14. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open to John chapter 14. And we're going to look at verses 15 through 31 this morning. And here's what it says in John chapter 14. He says, if you love me, Keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see, in, will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not say much more to you, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold over me, but but he comes so that the world But it comes so that the world may learn that I love the Father and do exactly what the Father has commanded me. 
Come now, let us leave. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So after offering some words of, of encouragement, some words of assurance, some words of, of comfort to his disciples, even inviting them and saying, you're going to do even greater things that I have done, and inviting them to pray in his name for the things that would align with his character, the things that would align with his will and, and with his purposes, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You see, Jesus knew they would need another advocate, the spirit of truth, which he later would call the, the Holy Spirit. And the question maybe is like, why would they need him? Well, he explains it in this passage. If you were paying attention, we saw that he said to help them. The spirit would help them. The spirit would be with them. The spirit would reveal truth. The spirit would teach them. The spirit would also remind them and bring them peace. You see, these were the things they would need from the Holy Spirit. These were the things that they would need from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus knew that because these were the things they needed while Jesus was with them. It was the things that they needed from Jesus. It's why Jesus would ask from the Father for another advocate. And it's because that, that word another doesn't actually mean just simply a, a different one. It actually means another of, of the same kind. They would need another advocate like the one that they had, like the one that had walked with them, like the one advocate, Jesus. And so we asked for another advocate. And I, I don't know if, if for you, if that word just sounds weird in that spot, like, like we're talking about the Holy Spirit, but he calls him the, the advocate. Well, that word in the Greek, it, it's paraclete. And it it's a, a word that has a, a kind of a broad range of, of meanings, ways it could be translated. And, and in this translation, the NIV, it's translated advocate. But if you happen to be reading from the NLT or the CSB or the ABC, I don't just, there's all sorts. I don't know if there's an ABC out there. But, but my guess is that they may have used a different word to describe what this, this paraclete was because the paraclete offered so many different ways of, of being with the disciples. So let me just give you some of the different words that, that would describe it. The paraclete is a helper. The paraclete is a counselor, a comforter, one who consoles and teaches, a strengthener, an advocate, and also one who reveals. And so while Jesus was actually promising the paraclete, to his disciples, in this moment, Jesus was being a paraclete, an advocate, a comforter, one who would console, one who would encourage, one who would strengthen. He was doing that as he was promising this. He was actually being this to his disciples in this moment. He was being exactly what they needed while he was still with them. Because here's the thing that, that we'll learn as we look at, at Jesus and the Holy Spirit and what, why he sent him. is that Jesus didn't ask the Father to send a helper who would only be with them in the same way that Jesus was with them. The disciples would need more than that. In fact, we need more than that. They would need the very presence of God within them, the one who gave them life. And Jesus, in this passage, he calls that peace. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, when we hear the word peace, probably the first thing that comes to our mind is maybe just a sense of calm, a sense of, of a lack of, of conflict, that there's no trouble, maybe there's no chaos. 
But that isn't what Jesus had in mind when he said, my peace I leave with you. There might be some elements of that, but Jesus didn't promise a lack of conflict. He didn't promise a lack of trouble. He didn't promise a lack of chaos. He promised his presence. And in the midst of those things, he promised his presence in the midst of trouble, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the things that would be going wrong. He promised his presence. You see, those who heard Jesus say this, I, I, my peace I leave with you, they would have heard just the echoes of, of the Hebrew word for peace, which is shalom. And, and I've talked about shalom a few times here on Sundays, but here's a, the definition that, my, that I go to when I want to understand what they understood shalom to be, which is in Hebrew was, was peace. It's up on the screen, but it says that shalom is the dream of God for a world set right. It is the state of affairs that result, results when God's personal presence and just rule are fully realized. The incarnation of Jesus was the incursion of shalom into the brokenness of the world to secure for that world a hope beyond the brokenness and to continue to extend shalom into the world in and through the disciples. Jesus would ask for the Holy Spirit. Jesus would ask the Father to send the Holy Spirit, to send God's personal presence into and with his disciples because he knew they needed the Holy Spirit. Jesus asked for and sent the Holy Spirit because he knew that they would need the Holy Spirit. And Jesus still gives the Holy Spirit. The Father still sends the Holy Spirit to us because we still need the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing is, I think as many of us sit here in this room, we could maybe list off the ways that we need the Holy Spirit today. When we even just look at the role that the Holy Spirit plays in the ways that the Holy Spirit ministers, some of us might need shalom today. Some of us might need peace or comfort today. Some of us might need counsel or care today. Some of us might need strength or wisdom or truth or courage. The, the list could go on, but, but we each, I'm guessing, myself included, could identify a need that only the Holy Spirit could offer to us this morning. But the problem is, is that we tend to look for these things in all, in all of the wrong places. We tend to not look for them in, in the provision of the Holy Spirit, but we try to find them in, in the things that we can either accumulate or have control of. We look for these things in our relationships. We look for them in our possessions, maybe in our success, maybe in, in our workplaces. We look for them in the things that we can consume, things like food or alcohol or entertainment or social media. We look for these ways to, to meet the needs that we have for comfort and for consolation and for strength and for healing. We just look for them in, in all of the wrong places. But, but Paul addresses this with some powerful words in, in Ephesians chapter 5 when he says this. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
See, in this, in this brief statement that Paul makes, I don't think he's, he's just trying to keep people from, from drinking wine. But he's saying, don't look to the world, and, and wine could be an example of that. Don't look to the world to be or to do what only the Holy Spirit can be and do for you. And so for, for some, it, it, wine might be the problem. For others, it might be Instagram. For others, it might be dessert. For others, it, it might be gossip. For others, it, it might be you, you fill in the blank of where you go to seek comfort, where you go to seek consolation, where you go to seek help from the world. But Paul is telling us, and Jesus is, is offering us, like, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is where your help comes from. And I love the way that, that Paul actually wrote that in Ephesians chapter 5. It, the way it actually should be translated is be being filled. Be continually filled by the Holy Spirit. It's not just this one-off opportunity when I accept Jesus and, and I'm given the Holy Spirit as, as a gift, but rather it's this opportunity to be constantly filled and overflowing with the Holy Spirit, His healing power and presence in my life. So let me ask you a question this morning. So what do you need from the Holy Spirit today? Is it peace? Is it comfort? Is it strength? Is it revelation or wisdom? Is it guidance? Maybe it's just the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you just need love, joy, peace, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray. And at the end of that prayer, when he's teaching them to pray, he says, if then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What if this morning we just, just pause for a minute or two? We don't take time often, certainly on, even like on a Sunday mornings it feels like, but in life to just pause and consider, Lord, what, what do I need from you today? And there's a, a really great story in, in, in the Gospels where Jesus goes to a blind man and, and he approaches him and he just says to him, like, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man identifies, Lord, I want, I want to have my sight. I just sense today that the, through the Holy Spirit that Jesus is coming to us and saying today, what, what do you need from me today? Are you willing to identify that today? Are you willing to ask God for more of, of your Holy Spirit? Are you willing to say, like, this is what is troubling me in my soul this morning? To state what you need and to ask the Holy Spirit to do and to be for you and for us, what only the Holy Spirit can do and be. Because as we read last week, Jesus says that, that if you are praying in my name, if you are praying according to my character and, and in alignment with my will and my purposes, you can ask for almost anything and I'll give it to you. So whatever we ask for this morning, if it's in line with Jesus' character and his will, like he, he offers it as, as a gift. So I just want to get, take a, a minute. We're just going to pause in, in silence. Maybe you just close your eyes with me. Bow your head if you want. You can kind of open up your hands as if you're receiving a gift. You can take whatever posture is appropriate. But let's just pause and, and listen to the Holy Spirit. And maybe even just you can speak to the Spirit the things that you need today.
Holy Spirit, we thank you that you see us, <laughs> you know us, you are with us, and, and you are in us. And, and this morning, we just, just named some things that we need, and we just ask that you would um, be more than sufficient in those areas of our life today and, and in the days ahead, knowing and believing that you can and you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So while we know and we can see in this passage that we were given the Holy Spirit so that we might have the peace of Christ in us, we've also been given the Holy Spirit so that we can extend the peace of Christ to those around us. I want you to, to listen again to what Jesus said at the beginning of this passage. I kind of, maybe it was the first thing I read, so maybe you weren't paying attention or, or maybe you heard it clearly, but he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. You see that connection between the first verse and, and the second, the first statement and, and the one that follows it? If you love me, you will keep my commands and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, another helper, another comforter to help you and to be with you forever. So what were the, what were the commands that Jesus was referring to? He says, if you, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Well, I mean, Jesus said a lot of stuff. He, he probably commanded a lot of stuff to his disciples. But, but in that evening, like from what we've read so far from chapter 13 to the middle of chapter 14, Jesus had already given them three commands in, in, in those short passages. The first was this. It was after Jesus washed the disciples' feet, after he took off all of his clothes and put on a towel and got on his knees and, and washed their grimy and, and dirty feet, he says, I've given you an example. Now follow it. He had given them an example of, of self-sacrificing and self-giving love. He had given them an example of of letting go of what you think you deserve, of letting go of what you think is yours, of letting go of what you think is, is your right, of letting go of what you think is your place, of letting go of what you think you fill in the blank. And he says, instead, follow my example and love it in a self-sacrificing, in a self-giving way. The next command was almost immediately following it. Right after Judas leaves, he says, a new command I give you. He says, love one another as I have loved you. And as we talked about this a few weeks, while this actually starts in the family, he says, love one another. And he's talking to the disciples, like, love the, love the people in this room. And that's like our command, like we're to love one another. As people that follow Jesus together, we're commanded to, to love one one another. But can I be honest? Like this is just the, it's just a practice field in some ways. Like this is how we learn to follow Jesus together so that we can actually obey another command where he says, love your neighbor as yourself. So we can actually take the love that we have put into practice in this place and then we can take it out into every place and put it into practice and share that love with those who, who haven't experienced it yet. That self-sacrificing and self-giving love that puts the best interest of others ahead of our own. And then the third command, the last thing that in this, that he said was, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. And, and this means like trusting and, and holding on to and relying on Jesus 
to do all the things, to, all, to do all of these things, to do the even greater things that he was describing that they would do and to do them in the way that Jesus had done them. I'm going to fast forward for a minute. So, spoiler alert, at the end of, of John's gospel, Jesus comes back to life, right? And when he does, he, he's found by, by Mary in the tomb. She's kind of the first to discover, and then she goes off and tells the disciples she's the first to share the gospel with many. And yet the, all of these disciples, they just kind of were huddling in a room, probably afraid of what might happen to them if, if people knew that they, who they were and what they were believing and how they were following Jesus. But they were hit, hidden in this room, and, and Jesus kind of just shows up into this room, and he says, peace be with you. And he opens up his, his hands and he shows him the hands and his, the scars in his hands. And, and he says, you know, to Thomas, I touch this, this hole in my side and, like, and, and believe. And here's the, like the first thing that, that he says to them when he comes into that room. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Do you see how that just falls in, like, almost in, in line? Where at the beginning of this passage, Jesus says, if you love me, obey my commands. I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to give you the, the Holy Spirit to be your helper, to be your strength, to be your comfort, to be your support. And then at, at the end of, of the story, near the end of the story, he says, just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he breathes on them and he offers them the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can read about what that looks like and, and the impact that had in the first chapters of, of Acts. And we just see the Holy Spirit's power and work in the lives of those who follow Jesus on display in that passage and in those passages. I love how N.T. Wright describes it. He says the, the Spirit is given so that we ordinary mortals can become in a measure what Jesus himself was, part of God's future arriving in the present, a place where heaven and earth meet, the means of God's kingdom going ahead. The Spirit is given, in fact, so that the church can share in the life and the continuing work of Jesus himself. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them, receive the Holy Spirit. Another, I'm going to share another quote from a guy named J.D. Walt. He says that the message of the gospel is the mystery of Christ, and the mystery of Christ is Christ in us. To the extent I am attuned to Christ in me, I can be present to the person sitting across from me. To the extent I can be present to that person, Christ will presence himself with us, and the, ministry, and the mystery will become manifest. I feel like this is a, these are reflections of what Paul says in Galatians 2.20 when he says, for I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. In this life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. And then we could add on and gave his Holy Spirit to live inside of me, to strengthen and to equip me. You know, there's a, a long-standing tradition in, in, the, in the church. When I say, like, long-standing, this was a, a practice in, in the early church that, that at least our church tradition has. I've never been in a church that's practiced it, but I know a lot of liturgical churches do. It's called the, the passing of the peace. <laughs> Not the passing of the peas, but that would be a great dad joke. But 
but it's called the passing of, of the peace. Have you ever heard of this? I mean, essentially, if you've never, it's not even that complicated. We kind of do it at Journey Church each week, but it's simply a, a time where people would stand up and they would move to the people that are closest to them and they would shake their hand in greeting and they would say, the peace of the Lord be with you. And the person would respond, and also with you. And so they would just go to the people that are sitting nearest to them, whether they knew them or not, whether they had ever talked to them or not, whether they were friends or not, and they would offer this, this passing of the peace, the peace of the Lord be with you. And, the, and the, in the handshake, the response would be, and also with you. It's a practice, again, that, that goes back long in the history of the church. And it's one that, that reflects Christ's call to be peacemakers. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus would say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And seeing this is a way to practice for us, like the, the passing of, of peace, to bringing of peace. Not just to be peaceful people or to be peace-filled people, but be those who would extend and pass peace, those who would extend and pass and offer shalom, that those who would extend, pass, and offer a love that is beyond ourselves. So let me just ask you a few questions kind of as we wrap this up. What if everywhere we went, we went with an attitude of, of passing the peace? Maybe not with a physical handshake, but with the attitude of our, of our heart. What if everyone we've found ourselves with, whether we knew them or not, whether we felt comfortable with them or not, we would pass the peace in whatever way seemed appropriate, with an extended hand or, or a smile or maybe even a hug. That might be awkward. Or with, or with even a spoken or unspoken word, passing on the presence of Jesus through peace and through love. What if every time someone extended a hand to us, we welcomed it with love and non-judgment, allowing others to feel the same welcome, if only for a minute, minute in a world that's so angry and divided. The last question is this. Is it possible to make passing the peace of Christ our way of being in the world? You see, today we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit. If we have placed our hope and faith in Jesus Christ. If we follow him, it's the gift is given to us and it brings us comfort and it brings us hope. It brings us strength. Like the, the Holy Spirit is the one that can fulfill all of those needs that we have. But at the same time, it's that same Holy Spirit that would empower us to be those who bring comfort, to be those that bring hope, consolation, strength, encouragement, bring the body of Christ to those who need the peace of Christ the most. These are things that, that we could try really hard to do, but it actually takes a measure of, of release, a measure of, of trusting, a measure of, of letting go and, and simply letting God operate in and through by his Holy Spirit in and through us. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for the gift of, of your Holy Spirit, for the personal presence of God in our lives, that you are with us, that you are. Jesus, today we, 
we shared some things with you that we are in need of. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would meet those needs in ways that only you can, and we trust you to do that with grace and with kindness and with mercy. And at the same time, Lord, we know as, as we walk around our, our homes and our neighborhoods and our schools, we know that there are many who are in need of the peace of Christ. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would enable us and equip us to be people of peace, people who would extend or pass the peace to others. And whether we say it out loud or we just say it in our hearts as we walk by them, the peace of the Lord be with you peace of the Lord be with you. We thank you that the peace of the Lord is with us today. Jesus, we're so grateful. We ask for more of it, more of you, more of your Holy Spirit, more of just what you know we need. And we ask that in your name.